0: It's Cut to the Chase with Laura Curran.
1: With me, Laura Curran.
0: Let's bring in Laura Curran, a member of the Democratic Party. Joining
1: us now by phone, Laura Curran. Laura, good morning. Now,
0: here's your host, Laura Curran.
1: Hello, I am Laura Curran, and this is Cut to the Chase, where we delve into politics, media, culture, and current events. Real conversations about real issues that affect our lives, no matter where we are on the political spectrum. All right, let's get right to it. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Matt Davies. He is a Pulitzer Prize winning editorial cartoonist for Newsday. He's been published everywhere from The New York Times to Mad Magazine. So welcome to Cut to the Chase.
0: How are you doing? Thanks for having me.
1: You got it. Matt, you are past president of the Association of American Editorial Cartoonists. And I was doing a little bit of research about political cartooning in general. And Mm -hmm. it's been a really big part of our history in Europe and here in America. And if you think about how influential political cartoonists can be, you may know about that join or die cartoon that accompanied in 1754, an article by Ben Franklin in right. the Philadelphia Gazette that, you know, it's that snake that's divided into eight pieces with the different colonies and that is still yeah. being used everywhere. The term McCarthyism was coined by Herbert Block in 1950 in one of his political cartoons. So, I am finding, sadly, that there are fewer and fewer political cartoons out there. What is going on with that?
0: That's a, By the way, I have that Join or Die cartoon taped up on my bulletin board. Oh, you do? So it's, a, it's, a, it's definitely a classic. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's happening with editorial? You know what's funny is the fate of the editorial cartoonist has always been linked to the newspaper business, right? Like newspapers have their opinion pages, and they've always had the cartoonist as kind of the, you know, depending on the position of the paper, as either the voice of the paper, but usually, especially more recently, their own individual voice that the newspaper publishes. And they're kind of the, they were the, you've got this sea of gray ink, and then you have this one image that's like the badly behaved cartoonist that's saying what's on people's minds, but they're too polite to say. Right. And that's because of the changes in the newspaper business, you know, with the internet and And the kind of diversification of where people get their news from, Uh, you know, like the cartoonists were often the first to go on the payrolls. Right. Because they're like, oh, we'll get rid of the, you know, the clown with the crayons. Now, that said, there are actually probably more cartoonists, political cartoonists with a more diverse set of voices, you know, than ever because of the Internet. They just don't have the same platform. So they're much more likely to be on a, you know, contributing as freelancers to news sites. But at the same time, you know, there are newspapers still use political cartoonists. They just don't have as many of them on staff. So they use them through syndication and stuff like that. But they're they're out there. There's a lot of – I mean, I think there's probably more actual people doing political cartooning. They're just doing it under different circumstances. And I draw for Newsday, and I'm one of, you know, a fairly small group of people who are on staff at the newspaper and, you know, plying my trade, you know, for an opinion page as a staff member.
1: Well, your cartoon is a must-read for me every morning. I live on Long Island, I read Newsday every day, and I've had the funny experience of actually being the subject of some of your cartoons, which is always very funny.
0: <laughs> I apologize. I apologize. Nothing personal. Please. No, no,
1: not at all. You're doing what you're supposed to do, but you know, they don't quite look like me, but hey, that's a different issue. No, no just, just kidding.
0: <laughs> no, it takes time to do, you know what, it takes time to develop and evolve a caricature, and some people are much easier to caricature than others. I'll leave that there. <laughs> well, <laughs>
1: I was also reading that Theodore Roosevelt, uh, the, TR, Theodore Roosevelt, kind of helped p- political cartoonists because of his outsized personality and his outsized features, you know, the teeth and the glasses and the. Right. All right, of that. Right,
0: right. No, it's true. There are. It takes. Usually when you're drawing, there's an evolution when you're drawing, especially when someone new comes along and they, they take office and then they do something that you feel warrants a cartoon which is, you know, that, as you say, that's the job. But then you have to go, you go, okay, I got my idea. Here's the thing I'm annoyed with or I agree with or whatever it is. And then I have to figure out how to draw the person. And if it's a, you know, especially if it's a local person, there's nobody else who's really drawing them. So you have to kind of, you have to get past the drawing, a kind of a portrait, and then you have to find the features and gradually get to the point where they are, but instantly recognizable as that person, and that takes time to get there. You know, you got to kind of, you got to, you know, you're doing it in real time. Like, you know, the readers are seeing the evolution of a of a caricature in real time. And, you know, every time you draw, it's going to get a little different, and hopefully look a little more like the person. But some people are much more conducive to caricaturing. Definitely, you've got like your, you know, Richard Nixon for in,
1: for mm-hmm. instance.
0: Before I was political. Before I was way before my time, but in, in terms of cartooning, and um, but yeah, I mean you know the hairline, nose, the nose,
1: hair, yeah, yeah,
0: it's like the posture, know,
1: much, the the bad yeah, posture, exactly,
0: right? And you end up with what's really less of a portrait or a caricature, and it's almost like a logo. It's like oh, that's Nixon. You know, I could draw the I could draw you right now if we were in the studio. I could draw you the eyebrows and the hairline and the jowls and nothing else, and you got oh, there's there's Nixon, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh,
1: You mentioned, you know, it's the clown with the crayon, which I think is very funny. And it's almost, it is sort of like the class clown of a very serious newspaper. And then you have this guy acting out in the corner, you know, saying whatever he wants. (laughs) And there have been some free speech issues. The four Mm -hmm. editorial cartoonists who were killed in Paris. You know, there have been other issues, real free speech issues. Is that something that is a concern in the cartooning community? And do you find that people might be pulling their punches sometimes?
0: So it's a two-part question so on the, the second part about pulling punches note i don't think so I, I really don't but the first part you know about whether or not i was kind of tongue-in-cheek talking about the clown with the crayons because and my colleagues my, the other editorial cartoonists and if, if any of them are listening they want to they get you know like that's a, a pejorative uh, mm-hmm. like that's actually not really how it is like we kind of treat what we do as like a column it's really an opinion and we use and it's easy to go, well, that's funny because it's a drawing, and you maybe, maybe the caricature of the person that you're drawing is funny. But oftentimes the points you're making, generally speaking, are very serious. Mm. And, and it's a sort of a way to – like I personally, and I have my own sort of way of doing it, I like to play with issues um, and present them in ways that maybe is entertaining and might make you chuckle, albeit uncomfortably maybe. But it's really serious stuff. I mean, you know, Uh whether it's right now with Roe v. Wade being overturned, or I mean, we're talking about, you know, or whether I mean, war in Ukraine or issues more locally, you know, close to home, Albany, uh, in in on Long Island, uh, New York, you know, New York area in general. I, I tend to take on very serious issues and and play with them and try to deliver an opinion that's just the same as an opinion of a columnist or, uh, you know, uh, who, who signs a column, but it's just delivered in a different way. And oftentimes because you have that leeway of the extra, that extra layering of being able to use humor and visuals, I can say things that maybe the writers couldn't.
1: Mm-hmm. You know?
0: And I think that's, and so that's where you get sort of the, the clown aspect. But in reality, I'm actually possibly making sharper points than is being made in the, you know, in the, you know, well-reasoned opinion of a, of a columnist. And, you know, to that degree, you know, the pulling of a punch, I mean, I can't speak from, I can only speak for myself, you know, in that I don't, I have editors and I submit um, four or five sketches a day before, hopefully usually before sort of two o'clock because I have a 6 PM deadline and they usually they'll pick one or two. So, you know, and I don't sugarcoat. I mean, I'll send sketches that are pretty, I mean, really tough. And sometimes they pick them and sometimes they pick something that's maybe less tough. Sometimes they're like, hey, let's do this one, the tough one on, you know, the day after tomorrow and we'll run this one. You know, so it's, it's you know, run something a little different, you know, maybe a little more humor based or local or whatever. But the pulling of punches is, is something that would really just lead to sort of bad cartoons. It wouldn't be softer, funny. Yeah, the softer, it's funny, I think. You know, tough cartoon. Even I mean, I, I get letters from readers or, or emails or whatever, and I, they always, even if they vehemently disagree with me and they're and they want to call me names and all, all you know all the other stuff, they almost invariably acknowledge that they expect me to be that. They're, like that. Like I know you're the cartoonist, and I know you're supposed to be, you know, provocative and you know um, insulting and you know fill in all the blanks. And they're like. But this time you went too far,
1: <laughs> you know, like, Right, 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 right. So there's, because there's, I uh, happen to disagree.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a funny. It, and then I and then I talk them down, and, and they. I almost always. In you know, they think I'm like some kind of some. There's some people who I think think that I have like horns and a, and a devil's tail. But and then when they speak to me, they're like, oh, he's actually, you know, he's actually a nice guy.
1: <laughs> and you'll take on anyone. I mean, I see you go after. You don't really favor one ideology or party over another. I mean, you took on the New York State Democrats on the redistricting mess as much as you'll take on Trump or anyone else.
0: Yeah, you know, as a person, like, you know, I lean pretty, I'm not like hard left. I'm kind of a pragmatic sort of liberal, but I also understand the limitations of politics and the limitations of public office, no matter what the party, no matter who's in charge, you know, and I just try to sort of, I really only have one hard, fast rule, and it's really it's really like I think any satirist should adhere to this, uh, and that is that I never punch down. I always go towards. So you won't you will never find me doing. I you'll never find me doing cartoons that are anti-LGBTQ or anti, you know, people of color or you know like you know the people who are in in minorities who are. Uh, who are powerless, I will not, or not powerless, but maybe have less power and are struggling to live free. I try to to give voice to that. I see my role as, it's, I, it, I take it really, it's a big responsibility. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I really don't feel, you know, so that, that's really my You don't want
1: to be heart. a bully. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and it's, not, and, and it's also not funny. You know, you've got to think about what's funny. Exactly. It's not funny to make fun of people just for the sake of it
0: exactly yet there are people that do it and you know there's a lot of controversy in, in in comedian you know comedians who are going after like trans people for instance you know it just it just isn't funny you're like why are you picking on that person like that's just like they're struggling <laughs> this is something that you should be you know even if you, you know and then a lot of comedians like they'll be supportive in private of the trans people but they make jokes about it and i just think you know that's You know, certainly, you know, uh, certainly in in Newsday, I couldn't imagine. I mean, that's not how I feel. So I would never, never do that. But but to the but to the point that, you know, I I, if I see something that I think is, you know, dumb or I disagree with, I'll just go after it. And I do. Yeah, I do cartoons about Biden. I do cartoons about Democrats. I had a field day with Trump. I mean, that that was, you know, well, he's a cartoonist's dream. Yeah, he was. Well, it was almost to the point where it was actually kind of a nightmare. It was like, be careful what you wish for, <laughs> you know. Like, you're like, I, I remember back during the Trump, and I I had readers who who were so, like, oh, all you do is bash Trump. And I'm like, well, all Trump does is do crazy things that cartoonists are supposed to. Like, I'm like, how can I ignore that? <laughs> like, I would, and I'd be on on any given day, I would have a blank piece of paper and say, please, I'd lo- I really please, please pray to the cartooning gods, please. Can can it this not be a Trump cartoon? And but you almost get the sense PM, with
1: he did, you almost get the sense with Trump that he liked it. You know, he liked being outrageous and just all over every media that he possibly could be.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, and it worked. And I, you know, I feel like a little bit. You know, um, yes, I think that's true, and I think that's a, a new a new thing in politics. Maybe it's not so new, but you know, playing you know the carnival barker. And saying things that you know are, you know, pretty outrageous. And, you know, that's it. Yeah. I mean, but as a cartoonist, you know, I, have, I, I, I couldn't ignore it. And then, but I just felt like, I'm like, oh, my god, you know, and then there's, there's another Trump. You know, I ran out of orange paint. Uh, you know, very early on in, in the Trump administration, I had a, <laughs> there's there's order of one. Gallons of orange paper.
1: There's one cartoonist I can't remember his name. When I was at the Daily News, he worked there. Do you remember? He did that Newt Gingrich having a, temp, a baby, having a temper tantrum front page that was so brilliant about the government mm-hmm. shutdown back in the nineties. I wish yeah, I could I've remember. It. That's the one that really. They've
0: had, yeah, they've had a couple of cartoonists. That if it was in the nineties, that probably would have been. Uh, a cartoonist named Bill Shaw, who is no longer with the Daily News. And then they recently, they went for a while. I think Bill Bramhall is the cartoonist yes, now. Yes, he's
1: pretty good. Um, I like him.
0: Uh, he's great. Yeah, I love his stuff. He's he's an excellent cartoonist, and I'm really happy that the Daily News still sees fit to carry their own editorial. Copies. Now, I, I, I
1: know everybody. this guy who I'm going to talk about right now was a little outrageous, but I actually really liked his humor. It was so dark. Sean Delonis at the New York Post.
0: Oh sure.
1: And I don't know. I don't know what happened. If he got in trouble, I didn't really follow it very carefully. But uh, he's still yeah. he's still drawing. And I remember when I was at the Post, I was pregnant with my first child, and he, you know, and he looked at me. <laughs> this is just what a weird guy. He looked at me and he said, "Oh, <laughs> you don't look like a Dr. Seuss character yet." I was like, "Oh, okay, thanks." <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. Most most cartoonists think in uh, think in terms of visuals, and <laughs> <that's no reason. laughs>
1: And then I, I, I guess I think one day I ended oh, up looking like a Dr. Seuss character. I had these like pregnancy <laughs> overalls, and he, was, he looked at me like, <laughs> "Yeah, now that's, now you do."
0: That's, <laughs> that's that's funny. Although I wouldn't have said that myself personally. Um, no, Short Monus. Yeah, he was a he was a fixture at the New York post for years and i wish the um, post
1: still had a cartoon on page six i mean now it's like some sexy model that's fine but i'd rather see some crazy cartoon
0: yeah yeah it just yeah i don't know i mean i i do feel like when newspapers decide not to do i mean yeah yeah a cartoonist can be controversial and can make um make make your phones ring and be a pain but it adds a kind of a soul there's a it it adds a spirit there and Mm -hmm. it even though that. Like you've got the cartoonist and and she or he are expressing their own viewpoint and signing that viewpoint. Um, it it shows another dimension to the people who are running the newspaper. It's showing that they have the you know the playfulness and the courage and the and the respect for the reader that they're like here we're going to deliver we're going to give you this and it's pretty it might be outrageous or it might be in poor taste or it might be something that you disagree with but you can take it you're you're an adult you you read the newspaper
1: right and we trust and that you can handle it
0: yeah and it's like it's a, you know we're all adults and you know and there's a lot of going on and 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 a cartoonist can often c- kind of cut to the core of what's going on so what you're reading in the newspaper and you might be going like you know i mean i love it when i have a cartoon in the paper and i try to do this and you know now with you know you know, I mean, the news moves so quickly now. In a way that back in, you know, back in the '90s, um, when I first started, you know, it, it could take like two or three days for a story to kind of build and become a thing that people were talking about because they were just getting it from the newspaper or on or radio or TV. But everything was much slower. And now, my favorite is when I do cartoon that's off today's news, and then when you're, and then tomorrow when you open when you get Newsday there's that story somewhere in the front and then you get to the opinion page and there's my take on it. And Mm. hopefully what I've done is I've synthesized what that is, you know, like whether, and and you certainly hopefully will get where I, what I feel about it and how I think, you know, of the people involved or whatever it is. And that, that's, that's my, you know, that, that to me is the sweet spot is, you know, when I can, I can sort of have a conversation with the readers in real time where they've read the story and they may be trying to formulate their own opinion on it. And then I go, bang, here's mine.
1: (laughs) I love it. You know, I hear what you're saying about how, you know, for obvious reasons, a political cartoonist can say what's not in the papers, but can also be more true and in a human way more than any news story could. And I think about that famous 1939 David Lowe cartoon with Hitler and Stalin meeting each other, greeting each other over a border. And Hitler says, scum of the earth, I believe. And Stalin says, (laughs) bloody assassin of workers, I assume. And they're sort of like bowing and greeting each other so nicely. And apparently uh, Adolf Hitler was outraged. You know, forget that the papers are calling him a craven, murdering tyrant. But what bothered him was being humiliated. In fact, David Lowe says, what a dictator does not want to get around is the idea that he is an ass. Which is really damaging.
0: <laughs> that is exactly uh, that. That is that is the role of the cartoonist, is just to point that out. Is when somebody is an ass, you try to point that out. And but you know what's what's chilling about that? So I mean, I'll, for the for, for the listeners, um, I can. I mean, that's a that's a. I love that cartoon. That uh, David Lowe is one of my favorites. I mean, he's just a beautiful artist. Mm. Um, but that particular cartoon is very. Um, if, if you if you. Google it; you can see the image. It's out. It's out there. But they're, it's so beautifully rendered, and it's so dystopian mm. and dark. And the cl- there's like clouds that are obviously from um, from fires, from 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 you know war. Um, and it's very chilling. And what's further chilling is David Lowe, who was who was um, the cartooning at a, at a newspaper in London at, at the time. And he, you know, he like a lot of other political cartoonists in London were kind of keeping people's spirits up mm. during their cities were being bombed. And they, you know, they they, they were, I mean, it, it, it was almost a different role. It was almost propagandist, you know, except, except, um, you know, you're still going after leaders. Um, and, and, but, but, but um, Lowe was, they found once Hitler had had off himself in a bunker and they were going through all the papers and everything, there was a book which had a, the list of people who, when, Germany got, you know, beat England and and became, you know, and and occupied Britain. David Lowe was on the list of people who were going to be rounded up and tried and then executed. Of course, yeah, that gets to the visceral nature wow. of cartoonists. Right you you can visually wow. you can visually upset a tyrant. That's why political cartooning is so important because. If you don't like the pictures of you and you try to squash them, that's because they're powerful mm-hmm. and they're communicating something to people that you don't want communicated. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I, yeah you, you could know.
1: say a political cartoonist is like the boy in the story "The Emperor Has No Clothes," who points out something that nobody else wants to admit, and once it's pointed out, it's you can't unpoint it out. Oh, yeah, you're right.
0: <laughs> that's exactly the that is that is the conceit of the cartoonist is you know like i everyone's saying one thing and you're going you know you're looking behind you know the facade or whatever it is and saying hey guys no 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 this is this is this isn't you know this isn't what you're seeing is not what's real and you know it's fine. and you know and um some people would still refuse to see it um (laughs) and um and uh, and then other people go oh yeah you know what You've you know i get letters all the time from people who or emails now i hardly ever get letters anymore i get emails um where where people have uh, you know like i said they'll they'll agree to disagree but sometimes they'll say i didn't think of it that way and that's really that's kind of the, the ultimate compliment is to is to kind of sneak the opinion through to the point that it's actually made someone stop and maybe re recalibrate reconsider i think that's probably less common, especially nowadays, because mm-hmm. everybody's all made up their minds about everything, seemingly. But I try.
1: <laughs> it's interesting what you say about now with social media in all different ways, you know, because political cartooning obviously grew up with newspapers. That makes a lot of sense. In fact, oh. Boss Tweed, I don't know if you ever came across this quote, he he wrote, stop them damn pictures. This is what he said. I don't care much about what the papers write about me. My constituents can't read. But damn it, they can see pictures which I think is just so funny and true. So during, you know, the Penny Press era, starting in the 1830s, when there was industrialization and the immigrants were coming and growing literacy, there were more and more papers, more and more cartoons. But, you know, as we see fewer actual newspapers, we're seeing more social media. And you're saying that political cartoonists, editorial cartoonists are sort of migrating more to that media and, in fact, giving more an opportunity.
0: Yeah, it's one of those ironies, right? The thing that sort of killed, that's, hasn't killed it off at all um it's it's made it more rare that that there's a platform with a newspaper which i still think is very bad val- is i still think it's the most valuable platform for for a political cartoonist yeah in, you know in, in a newspaper market that's healthy like long islands or you know in washington dc yeah. you know um some of the bigger cities that have healthy newspapers then they have a cartoonist that's a powerful tool but on the but yeah you you have to so, but 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 the smaller newspapers, the regional papers that didn't that just couldn't keep up and they could no longer keep their cartoonist, which is still, uh, 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 you know, they still they still run cartoons, by the way. They just don't pay for a cartoonist. But, yeah, so but so that the, the forces that made that true have also enabled creators to reach more people now than ever. It's just harder. You know, you just got I mean, You know, there's the financial aspect where you've got to try and turn all those eyeballs into money. And so people, they do Patreon, they do like tip jars and some people are are doing really well with it. And, but they, it also, it also changes the, the, what the, what the medium is too, because online, you you know, on a printed page, you have a a rectangle, you know, and that's my space. I have it up here on my drawing board and it's a, it's the same size every day, um, unless we decide to do some special breakout page. But online you there's no limitation you could do a whole thing that you scroll through and you can do animation uh, maybe just a, a, a gif animation or you know there are so many different ways of doing it and you can say things that you probably couldn't say in a in a, in a daily newspaper too like language limitations etc you know and maybe subject matter you know like so it's people are drawn to drawing you know like and to communicating and to satire. And they're going to just, you know, I mean, I think, you know, the earliest cartoons were probably the, you know, the paintings on cave walls, you know. It was
1: mm-hmm, Exactly. You know,
0: like, I mean, ever since we could, you know, humans sort of figured out how to communicate with a, you know, a piece of charcoal on the side of a, of a wall, we have and we will. Just continue to do it, and I don't. It just it's something. It's it's, and I love you know. I mean, it's one of my it's one of my favorite things is go is seeing cartoonists online, who I who I have never seen before, and you know going whoa that's really good, or, you know I wish I'd thought of that, or something. You know it's, it's just changing just like every other, medium. You know with the advent of the web is. Yeah, you you know and social media of course, it's the delivery mechanism that's changing and the ability to, you know, earn a earn a salary or, or whatever kind from of, it. But people are figuring it out, you know. So do good, you
1: do you ever have the situation where you have a cartoon that's gonna be in the paper the next day and you know that it's gonna be controversial and it's going do you wake up in the morning with a little bit of a sense of dread, like, Oh boy, I gotta get my armor on today
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, pretty much every day. <laughs> <laughs> No, no. You know what's really funny about that? So I'm, I'm actually glad you asked that because um, the 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 there's a sort of a there's a, a there's a, a, a kind of a weird law of in cartooning, and that is the days that I go, "Whoa, this one's really gonna this one's really gonna piss people off." Like this one's gonna be like, "Oh man, am I gonna hear it?" Oftentimes, that's incorrect, mm. and people get in stride. And then the days where I just, where I pop something out and I feel like that's not going to be a problem, roof caves in. I'll get people mad at me or, you know, or it's so, I you know, it's a...
1: You can't, you can't a, predict.
0: It's impossible
1: to predict. That's so interesting.
0: You would think. You would think, and yet it depends on the day and which direction the wind's blowing and the mood of the people. Yeah. Whether people got paid that day or whether they have to pay their bills that day or whatever.
1: How the weather is.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of arbitrary. There are a few. There are a few that are, you know, almost a given that it's going to. You know, that the uh, it's going to get blowback. But it's it is funny how the ones that uh, that you don't think are going to really you know, make much of an impact. Often are the ones that you're defending yourself. Uh, I find myself defending uh, the the loudest.
1: That's so funny. Well, Matt, I want to thank you so much. We'll let you get back to it. I know you're on deadline. You're so kind to take the time. And and I thank you for making me smile every day. And if you ever lose hope, just remember what Gerald Ford said in 1975, the pen is mightier than the politician. (laughs) So you're very powerful.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much, lawyer. It's been a pleasure. Uh, I, I really enjoyed myself. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: Take care. Bye-bye.